If you want to crush your quota, you're in the right place. My first year in sales, I sold $758,000 on a $150,000 quota, and that was just the beginning. I'm your host, Mary Grothy. I'm a former number one B2B mid-market SaaS sales rep turned CEO. I've sold millions in revenue, broken multiple records, and now I run a company that rebuilds revenue engines and creates top sales performance. This isn't a show about achieving quota. This isn't about being okay in sales. This is about being number one and learning what it takes to crush your quota. I think LinkedIn has made me probably, I don't know, over a million dollars at least in revenue in the last two years. When I adopted a brand building strategy on LinkedIn, that first year that we adopted it, I could directly tie over 400000 in revenue to the strategy, and I'm pretty sure my LinkedIn cost me about $60 a month. If you're not building a brand on LinkedIn, you're not doing it right. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you about LinkedIn all by myself. There's a master LinkedIn ninja out there, and his name is Jake, and y'all probably know him, and this was just so long overdue that I would bring him into our Quota Crusher world and he can share his wisdom with you. Do you know Jake? Jake Dunlap. That's who I'm talking about. You you have to have seen him somewhere because he's everywhere. The guy records you like- you can't, you can't avoid me, Mary. <laughs> he, he records all of his golf swings every single day and gives you sales tips like right before he drives that ball 300 yards. Like this guy is all in everybody's face, but all the good ways. So Jake- He designs repeatable, sustainable sales models and processes that outperform industry standards. Another reason why I like the guy, because we happen to do really similar work, and he's done a tremendous job in transforming the way people look at the kind of work that we do. Because it's not like you can't put us in a bucket. It's not, well, are you a sales trainer? Are you a sales consultant? Like, what do you actually do? Um, We can talk about this more. I'm sure you hate the buckets and like being labeled because our firms do something so much greater than that. So he is the CEO and founder of Scaled. He helps executives around the world. So something he does, I don't, I don't like traveling outside of the United States. So you can, I'll refer you all my international business, but he accelerates their business growth with data-backed sales solutions. But before Scaled, he held the roles of VP of sales at No Weight, which was acquired by Yelp. He was the head of sales and customer success at Chartbeat and the VP of sales at a company we all know, Glassdoor, which was acquired for $1.2 billion. In 2018, I have a feeling he had something to do with the valuation of that company. But anyway, formally, welcome, Jake. We're psyched to have you. Awesome. Well, thank you. Like you said, this is long overdue. It's been fun to kind of get to know you virtually, and I'm, I'm pumped for the conversation. Well, good. Well, you've got to give us more of the backstory here, because just in case there's somebody that's been living under a rock that doesn't know you, <laughs> go ahead and introduce yourself. Well, I thought you did a pretty good job. I liked it. I thought you did a good job. Is you're hyping it up? Um, you know, look for for me. I've been in sales for all, over, well, I guess, 17 professional years, but I was in sales in college too. Um, you know, for me, I, I grew up in um, sports sales, so I started my career there. Spent two and a half years, moved over to the tech side in the late 2000s. Um, And what I realized is, you know, then made the move to kind of the rapid growth world with Glassdoor and then again, Chartbeat. And, um, you know, what I realized is that as companies are scaling, there's so many different things that break. And the typical model of just hire, hire, fire, fire, it's actually not effective, efficient, healthy, et cetera. And so I started a firm to, you know, I work with consultants at both 
Glassdoor and Chartbeat. And both times the experience, I'm like, uh, cool, thanks for this, you know, 85 page document we paid you 50,000 for. Like, what the hell do I do with this thing? And so when I made the decision to start my firm, it's like, you know, we're going to do the tactical things. You know, we're not just going to do the theory. We're going to we're going to help you to understand the strategy. We're also going to have resources from a sales operations standpoint, technical to sales enablement um, and the strategy to help you to pull through change. And that's really what we're all about. What I'm all about is, look, it's not worth doing if we can't show results in ROI. You know, and so that that's really what when I'm focused on, you know, we've got about 30 people now. Um, everyone's remote, but normally they're in New York, Austin, uh, but we've always been about 50% remote. And, you know, we work with a mix of growing rapid growth companies, um, people that are trying to scale different parts of their business to, you know, some of the largest companies in the world, Microsoft, uh, Thermo Fisher, LinkedIn, et cetera. So, you know, lots of people trying to modernize and, and we're trying to stay at the forefront. Yeah. You and I align so well. I just felt frustrated. So as a top salesperson at paychecks, that small payroll company, I couldn't stand when sales trainers were brought in or consultants because it was not specific to our day in the life. It wasn't specific to our business. It was, if it was a sales consulting, like you said, Hey, 85 pages, here's 50 grand. Here's your playbook, like go make it happen. But a lot of times it wasn't translated for the work that we were actually doing. And then nobody stuck around because the only perfect plan is the one still sitting on the shelf. So when you have to put the plan in implementation and put it into action, you'll naturally find areas where the plan doesn't produce. So you have to have somebody that will iterate and modify and look at the KPIs and the leading and lagging and say, hey, we need to adjust some things. I know we wrote this, but now that we've implemented it, we have to do X. Exactly right. If you're not sticking around for the ROI, it's a waste. And so our firms were built with the same intention that it's not just the first uh, you know, 30 days. It's what are we doing after that? Because somebody has to implement the plan. And the teams that we get to work with, I'm sure similar to yours, if they had the ability to do it without us, they would have done it by now. But the fact is they don't and they haven't. And so bringing us on board, we're just an extension of them. It's not to get people fired. It's not to you know rip and replace. It's like, hey, we're, we're going to work as an ally with you and we're going to make this happen. Something that's been an agenda item for years potentially, and we're going to help take it to the next level. So I love the work that you're doing. I love the platform that you've created, the voice that you've created for the type of work that our firms do. And I know I've given you those compliments on your LinkedIn live and <laughs> I appreciate uh, it. I'm a fan. Always. I'm a fan. So anyway, let's dig into LinkedIn because you own your LinkedIn. I mean, it is, you make that thing go to work for you. So I want to hear some of your methodology behind it and why people should be building their brand. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, look, I, I can share similar what you were kicking things off with. But, you know, it was very similar for us. You know, we were doing a lot of your typical marketing stuff, right? Putting out blog posts every week, um, ebooks on a consistent basis. And kind of what we what we started to realize was that's just not how people are consuming information. You know, we'd, we'd spent all this time putting these things out, working on SEO or working on, you know, downloads, etc. And consistently, what would happen is we would then, you know, we'd look at like the interactions, right, on social, etc. And I'm like, wait, we're doing all this work and this is what's happening? Like, what the, like, why are we, why are we spending all this time? So May of, it's been a little over two years, two and a half years almost, like May of 2018, I said, this is no, like, this is a complete waste of time. And we moved 100% to posting organic posts on LinkedIn, not promoting 
you know, scaled, 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 just talking about things that would be relevant to sales leaders, talking about things that would be relevant to CEOs and, you know, have had similar results to what you mentioned, you know, Mary, like for us, it's, you know, we've had people that have, have we've done six figure deals with where the first call was like, I'm not sure I know what you do, but <laughs> like, I'm, I want to learn more and like, I'm interested in learning more. And I think to me, it's never been a bill. I think there's two, there's two big hurdles. The first hurdle was realizing that by, by posting on LinkedIn, it doesn't mean you're a narcissist. It doesn't mean you're an egomaniac. It doesn't mean that you like, you're chasing the, the likes, et cetera. I did it for my business. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm not, you know, I wasn't doing this to be like LinkedIn famous. I was doing it to raise awareness, but, but I hid behind. And I, and I think a lot of people do this. I hid behind scale because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. I thought I was an ego. If, if I talked about myself or gave my own opinions and I was trying to, then I was kind of stealing the shine for my company. And, and I thought that was horror. You know, like I think for the first six years, right? That, that's five years. That was my mindset. And it wasn't until kind of I started to just really think about the stats. I'm like, people want to hear from people. You know, people can connect more with people than they can with a brand. And so that was really kind of our, our big epiphany. And then obviously we've been, you know, consistent ever since. And, you know, we're putting out, you know, at least two pieces of content well, I'd say, yeah, on the weekends, maybe it's one, two pieces of content a day on LinkedIn with me. Scaled is putting out at least probably one, maybe two a day. Um, and we've been doing that for at least for the last, you know, year, I would say, uh, to where we're posting, you know, two, two times a day. So let's be real about content creation because you do a really great job. So I'm asking for a friend, just kidding. I'm asking for myself. I find that with running a company, we're a third of the size that you are. So we have, 10 people and uh, two contractors right now. So 10 employees, two contractors. And so I'm running the company. I also dabble in a little oversight of client work. So I'm more like executive project manager, just making sure things are being delivered the way they need to. And then I have LinkedIn for sales BQ. I have my personal LinkedIn. I have my Instagram. I have my Twitter. And then I have this podcast and then I have another podcast. I have the SalesBQ blog, and then I have my personal blog, and I feel like I'm missing something in all of that. Um, how do you do it? I mean, how do you keep yourself organized? I have somebody that manages me and my content calendar and all of that, and I just feel like maybe I'm overthinking it. Like, what am I help the content creators out there? Because there are days where I'm like, I can't do this. I cannot get to this post. Sure, There's not enough hours in the day. So what are you doing? Because you're super consistent, which I know is key to your strategy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've definitely, have, I have help on the video side. So I have someone who um, will take a video, we'll chop it up. So I have, I have someone who helps with that and some of the content. Um, and for me, I think here, here's what it is. I post about things that I like and enjoy <laughs> and I like sales. I like leadership. I like having an opinion. Like, you know, so for me, it, it becomes, oh, sure. I mean, are there times where I'm like, oh, crap, you know, I got to go do this or that. But, you know, for me, the process is I have, I, I use Evernote and I've got a lot of, I call them kernels, right? Like little seeds of ideas. And so I have a seed, I put it in there. And then, you know, the thing that I think shocks most people is most of the posts and, and just so you know, content on LinkedIn, you see for me, 95% of it is something that I wrote and maybe 5% is like a, a rehash or something that um, mm. someone on my team helped with. So I'm writing all of it. I would say of that 95%, 90% of it, I wrote 0.5 seconds before I hit post. 
And I think it's that I, I try to store a lot of really good ideas, or what I think are good ideas. Sometimes I think they're a good idea and then nobody else does. Um, <laughs> but I don't overthink it. You know, I don't get high on my own. I never have had, I've always looked at posting on LinkedIn as data points. Post does good, data point. Post does bad, data point. Hey, this week I need to maybe talk a little bit more about my business. And so I'll toss in some posts about that or I need to promote some webinar or whatever we're doing. So I try to just store ideas up. I don't get married to, I'm not like, oh my gosh, let me do this. Average post probably takes between, you know, 10 to 25 minutes to write. I do one in the morning and then one in the mid afternoon or late afternoon. Um, and that's kind of it, you know, then on, and then again on YouTube, we take all of our lives and that that's, that's the repurposing thing is like, sure. you know, we'll chop up the lives. I also have a film block. So it's between 30 minutes to an hour every week. And so my team just drops, like my marketing person will just drop a bunch of ideas in. I set up the DSLR, I set up the mic and I just crank out, you know, five videos or something, whatever they need. So you know, we try to just capture a lot of content. And then my team can also then come up with ideas from that video for tweets or whatever. So, you know, Instagram, you know, I started doing that sales tips thing just on a whim. I didn't even tell any, I was just like, I'm just going to start to do this sales tips and it's been fun. So I've just, been, again, I think if you align the content to an audience you genuinely give a shit about and yeah. that people that you care about, I really love sales. And so, and I like, and I love leadership and, and I enjoy these topics. And so I feel like that helps you to get through it as opposed to if you're fake and you know, you're, you're, you don't really love it or you're really trying to pander. Gosh, it's gotta be hard. It's gotta be hard to try to come up with the content if you're trying to just pander to the algorithm. Yeah. Look, I couldn't agree with that more. It has to be something I think for all content creators, it has to be something that you're passionate about. It has to be something that when given the kernel, like you said, you can just roll. And so one thing that I did to help me, cause I was feeling like, gosh, I don't know what I should write about. I, I mean, I, I feel like I, I started to feel after two and a half years in this role as a CEO and, and building my brand and influence. I'm like, I feel like I'm starting to repeat things that I've said in the past. And so that's been sure. really hard. Like, how do I make sure that it's still fresh? And one of the things I realized is I probably share too much in a single post and I could really simplify it. And sure, then yeah be able to expand the thoughts into more posts. And so that's something that I've started to do. But I think my big takeaway from what you just said is, I I'm, I, I guess the big realization for me is I'm not always scheduling the time to post. It's almost like it's on the to-do list, but it's not scheduled in the calendar. So that's probably my biggest uh, issue. I also do agree that, hey, if you want to knock out a whole bunch of content at one time, get that person that's going to shoot and film that video and splice it up and repurpose. And there are ways that you can amplify your content through different marketing channels. So I think that that's great. I want to dig into the methodology or even the psychology behind how you're growing the influence in your posts. So there's a way that you write your posts and there's a way that you like the construct of the post. Can you talk about that? Sure. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, I, I don't know if like, like if you've been in, I mean, I'm not a journalism major, but you know, look, step one is it has to be interesting. You know, what I find is usually whatever ends up becoming my first one or two lines was actually something that I wrote. So I, I kind of just like, just like let it flow. And even if it's like, I'm like, dude, this is kind of boring and sucky. I just kind of like keep pulling on the thread. 
And then what, what ends up happening is it might be like the seventh line. I'm like, Ooh, that's good. Like, let's move that to the top. Like that's, that's like a way more interesting way to say, like, you should think more about your career, right? Like this is a way like more <laughs> slightly provocative way to think about it. So, uh, you know, there's that. And then look, I think the thing that I try to do, at least I feel that I try to do, and I'll let the audience and other people judge is I, I don't, I like to give tactical advice. Like to me, I, and again, it goes back to like what I talked about whenever I started my own company that, um, I'll do some positivity and some more philosophical, but that's, that's very rare for me. I, I would say my, my strategy is I'll, I'll pull on a, something, a theme or something that I think is interesting. And again, like this goes for everyone out there who's struggling with content. I pull from random conversations. You know, Mary and I are talking right now. She might say something. I'll just make a little note. And I'm like, ooh, that's good. I'm, oh, oh, okay. I can, I can work with that. And then I have a conversation with my partnerships person. I have a conversation with a client. I have a conversation with a new prospect. Like, I pull my inspiration from just stuff that happens every day. And I think that's it too, is like, I don't overthink it. I don't have to sit there and, you know, think about what I'm going to write. Cause I just pull it from, Oh yeah. What was that conversation? I, oh dude. Oh, that was cool. Like I, I, I liked that. I think people like it. So that's kind of my formula. It's like, I try to document more than I try to like create on the fly. I then try to come up with something I think is going to catch somebody's attention up top and then, um, you know, and then I try to really deliver, right? So once they click that see more button, you know, they're going to get some, some tap, they're going to get something that they could literally go back to their desk and start to do now, or maybe an exercise they could start to think about their career. Or to me, like, that's always really important for me that you can look at that and think about, oh, okay, I can take an action on this. And that that's kind of my mantra is like, I want most of my posts to be actionable, not, not just, you know, oh, thought provoking. So that, that's my strategy. Yes. The first sentence hook or having it within the first three lines. So I think three lines show if you have a photo or video or it's five lines will show if it is without any media on the post. And you got to say something. I mean, I just think about people scrolling through their newsfeed. What are you saying in those first three to five lines? that cause somebody to stop scrolling. It has to be attention getting, but to your point, you have to be able to back it up. The other thing is I, I, you know, people don't share other people's content. Like don't put a URL to another article that somebody wrote, like make it your own. I think the best content comes from each individual and to share it like you're telling a story or like you're actually talking to another human being. I think sometimes people overthink how they should write it. And then it sounds super formal and like marketing speak almost. Just have a conversation, just share the story and be a human being. Because I think when your personality comes through, it's much more genuine. And I think it then invites more conversation and engagement in the bottom, like in your comments is what I mean by that. So I think that's a a big piece of what you're putting out content wise, which is why it's engaging is you're grabbing our attention, but then you actually speak like you're our friend and it's human to human and it's very tactical and there are action items in there. You're one of my favorite people to follow on LinkedIn. We're in the same profession and I look to your post, like, uh, Hey, I'm going to learn something from Jake. Good. Like every I time that. I read his post, you know, and it's, and we, we do similar things. So that's how much value you're providing. So some things that I've noticed in your post are you're talking about day of week 
to post. And was it day week that I saw or time of day? And then I saw you had some stats on whether or not you put a URL in your post at all. Yeah. Like I think you said no post has ever gotten and you're testing 200 uh, likes, impressions, or not impressions, but likes and uh, anything of the like category or more if it has a URL in it. So talk about some of those findings through sure. some of your testing. Yeah, we did a we did a, a pretty basic um, analysis of about 1,600 posts in the first half of this year. That was in July. So, um, and we started to look at, we looked at things like hashtag and its correlation with virility. We looked at emojis, we looked at links. And, and, and candidly, it was more just to like, get a gut check for certain things. And I think some of the things that were the most interesting, you, you shared this, which is links. Look, have I, I've seen plenty of posts that have links that have gotten a ton of interaction. Out of the 1600 posts we analyzed, and we had some other influencers in that data set as well too. Um, there wasn't a single one that got more. And we, we stretched the threshold over like 400 interactions. So links, and it's just, look, we've just seen it over and over. LinkedIn penalizes when you post a direct link. You know, and, and but because because actually what it also is is this. And it's the same thing as you put a link in the comments, but it's it's an ask. What what people, what human beings penalize are asks. Click a link, attend my webinar, buy my thing. Just naturally, every time you're asking your audience to click, sign up, join, whatever, buy, you it's never gonna do as well as something that's just pure value. And so, but that's okay. That's okay, right? Like it's okay that every post doesn't, you know, do extremely well. Sure. Like, you can have posts with a purpose. So links is one hashtag, absolutely no correlation to having hashtags and virality, zero. Um, and it's because LinkedIn's not a hashtag culture. Like yeah. how many of you go and binge like, oh, can't wait to open up the, you know, customer success hashtag today and just like, because there's no trending. The problem is LinkedIn doesn't have a concept of trending on hashtags. When they do that, I think hashtags will become important. Right now, we, we just use hashtags as almost vanity to like make a point, like a like an exclamation point. Almost, sure. like I'll use a lot of like vanity hashtags. If I, trending in sales means you get like 25 likes, so there's really no value in trending. We just haven't seen it. Um, and then emojis, um, emojis are like it, like equally as like it was slightly like zero emojis was slightly higher, but percentage wise, mm -hmm. like having emojis um, versus not, was, there was like no delineation between you know, likelihood or not like emojis. I think to me, emojis are all about tone and personality. And so I think that's why there was, there was no correlation. Some of the other things we found like day of the week, um, Saturdays and Sundays, you know, what we found consistently is posts can get a lot of views, even though they didn't get a lot of interaction just because the, the, the site is more starved for content. So they can be really, really good days to post. I would say out of my top 10 pieces of content this year, I'll go back and look at the stats. I'd say at least 50% of them were, were from the weekend. Whoa. Because, That's good. Yeah, because there's just not as many people posting. And, and But you got to think about the content you're posting on the weekend, right? Like it needs to be a little bit more um, interesting maybe, you know, unless, you know, sales tips, you know. So we, we try to mix up our content there. Um, and yeah, day of the week, I don't think there's anything. We felt like, I think what it ended up being is Wednesday or Thursday. Thursday was technically, but... Look, I don't know. Have a magic pill. I, I don't like just. I the post I had last week. It, I posted it Tuesday at one o'clock. I literally wrote it on the fly. I wrote it. I'm like, oh, so I saw someone had wrote like, I made fifty thousand. I'm like, well, let me just share a little bit of like my money, like and like how much like I made over <laughs> my career. I posted it Tuesday at one o'clock. It is by far the best post I've ever ever had at Tuesday at one o'clock. Whereas if you said Jake, what are the best practices? I would not have said Tuesday at one o'clock. So. 
it, look, what, what that shows you is quality matters, right? Like, and quality is in the eye of the beholder. And so, you know, I don't get to decide what quality is. The audience decides what the quality is. So other than what I just shared with you, you know, time of day, um, I think time of day is more dependent on where your audience lives and are you posting when they're awake and, and active and how good's the content, you know? Yeah, look, I love it. And I love that you just said there's there's no easy button here. It is about consistency and some posts are going to flop. I mean, it's we can't control all of this. It's an algorithm. It's, it, it's a combination of myriad of things. And we have trends to indicate what could put it in a better position to exactly. have engagement, yeah. but you can, it, your content has to be good. That's number one is your content has to be worth digesting. And I think that that's the first thing that people need to get right is, and it should be about empowering yourself as a thought leader, a thought provoker, somebody who can set themselves apart from the competition and put themselves in a great light through how they share knowledge and wisdom and how they're giving back in a way through what are they contributing and what are they bringing forth of value, if that made any sense. So there's there's a way for people to go, oh, you know, especially people in sales. Like I sold payroll and HR services. I started adopting a LinkedIn strategy back in 2008, 2009. And it was a much smaller platform back then. And I was really into the connection and bringing in CFOs and HR people into my connections and grew it over time. But what I started to notice is people don't necessarily love connecting with a payroll sales rep, but when they would see that I was giving back to the community and sharing really great organic content that I was writing based on those conversations that I was having, having, uh, for example, I had a, uh, client that was a couple hundred employees in food manufacturing. They had some very specific nuances because of the industry and how they were experiencing challenges and controlling overtime costs and getting granular. So they knew the cost of labor by each bar they produce. They they produce fruit bars. So there was a really cool post that I had put out that was helping people understand in that world of how to get a handle on your overtime costs when you're working in an industry, fill in the blank. Well, that's of value. And people wanted to read that. What they didn't want to read is that, hi, Paychex was just named number 24 on the list of top companies to sell for list by Sales Power World Magazine. Like, cool, but is that really adding value to the people who want to engage with you and do business with you? And the answer is no. So it, it's, it's you've got to think about who is digesting the information and can you bring them something of value? And there's a strategy behind growing number of connections. So I've also seen um, for us, it's we teach like pull the target list, use the filters, build your target list of your ideal client, and then go connect with these people. We do not encourage adding a message. We just say hit the connect button and see what happens. What do you yeah. see in that area? Identical. That's the same advice we give people. Using LinkedIn Sales Navigator, I can build a custom list and connect with 82 people in 12 minutes. Or in the same 12 minutes, I could write five customized messages in 30 days. <laughs> In 30 days, how much bigger is my network going to be? And again, if people are like, well, does your network size matter? I'm like, absolutely. If you're, if you're, if it's your target audience, I'm not talking about connecting with a bunch of random people. I'm talking about connecting with people who are your target audience. And I loved your story, Mary, because I think a lot of salespeople need to hear it. If you sell to HR, you should be putting out HR focused content. You should be making the HR, and that, that story was like, like literally a spot on one. Um, or if you want to talk about sales, go sell sales tech. You know, like. I feel like a lot of people right now on LinkedIn are pandering or trying to get likes versus trying to generate interest from a target audience. 
And and but hey, if you if you sell HR and you want to talk about sales, go for it. I'm not you know do it do your thing, man. I don't really care. But I think so many people right now, you got to decide who your audience is. You got to decide. You know, are you building this for you know are you building this for your pipeline or are you building this to look cool in front of your buddies in the cube next to you? And it's tough to serve two audiences. And so I think a lot oh. of people right now are struggling to really identify who they want to be on LinkedIn and you know maybe in life. I don't know. <laughs> all of the above. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's all true. All right. So we're starting to wind down here. What is step number one for the audience? So let's say they haven't really adopted LinkedIn as a strategy. Yeah, They're course. not posting a lot. They haven't grown it. Like what is the absolute first thing they need to do? And I want to hear your answer and then I'm going to share my answer and let's see how close we are. All right, let's do it. Um, so first is think about it. It's, it's literally perfect piggyback to what I said you know, what do you want to be known for? You know, or, or who do you care about? Like, you know, who's your audience, right? And I think step one is you got to just, just spend some time thinking about that. Just sit down. Well, I want to, you know, want to talk to HR and maybe 20% post on sales. Okay, cool. Awesome. That's your jam. That's your lane, right? Then the next thing, the easiest thing is just your profile. So it's like, cool. I know who my audience is now. Does my profile speak to that audience? Or does it scream paycheck sales rep, right? As opposed to like, I work with, you know, Fortune 500 HR leaders, helping them to, you know, add value to the business, like blah, blah. You know what I mean? I'm just making stuff up now, but sure, you know, sure. is, does it talk about the impact that you have for that audience or does it talk about your resume? So you got to change your LinkedIn to profile to not be a resume, but instead be something where I can go and learn about who you are. Um, and then it's getting in the, at least for me. And I think what we've seen is it's, then it's just, you know, being starting to be comfortable put producing content, you know, start with two days a week. That's fine. Two days a week is great. Um, and you know, finding some time to interact with people, I can go really deep on like what you should do on sales nav. There's a sales navigator to me is the most no brainer investment because there's, I can sort by all my leads and when they shared, so I can go in instead of having to track down when they shared, I can go like, look at their comments. So, you know, but for me, step one is know who you want to target. Um, uh, think about what your profile says, think about the type of content you want to produce. And then like, I talked a little bit about adding and then start to grow your audience. Because right now, most people's LinkedIn audience is their current next coworkers. So, you know, I, I now know I want to target HR people. My profile reflects that I'm knowledgeable in that topic. And now I'm going to start to add HR leaders in my, my territory or group consistently and post, you know, a few times a week to them. So that to me would be a very basic formula that if you follow that, you're going to be more successful than probably 90% of people on LinkedIn. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. The big thing for me of, of that process, step number one, yeah, absolutely understand who is your target audience. And as soon as that's determined, rewrite your profile. I think one of the biggest mistakes, and you 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 did embed it in there, is that your profile is not built out. Your profile is your own personal web page. If you don't strip the sales resume out of there for your current position and put in the pains and problems that you solve, I mean, go that person, if they, if your strategy works, your connection strategy and your content strategy, that person then will go to your profile and that's where you get the conversions. So when they go to your profile, it needs to be written in their language. So when they land there, they're reading it. They're like, Oh my gosh, I wasn't planning on connecting with this type of salesperson today, but Holy cow, did they get me? And then they see that when they're writing the description about who you work with and the pains and problems that you solve for that target audience, they're going to be like, Oh, I got to talk to this person. And that's right. where inbound leads convert. So we're going to put a bow on this, Jake. I'm so glad that we got to do this. Yeah, Thank I am you too. This is fun. For saying yes. Beautiful. How can people connect with you? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, like we talked about LinkedIn the whole time, so you better follow on LinkedIn now. <laughs> uh, just just search Jake Dunlap. I think you know usually I'm a top 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 one result. Depends on your network. Um, and then you know, look, you can check out Scaled S K A L E D dot com. Um, you know, look, if you're an organization, you're looking to grow revenue, you know, obviously you can find us there. And then look, um, I think Instagram's another another good place. I'm trying to put out consistent content. It's Jake underscore Dunlap underscore. Um, Jake Dunlap is being very fickle about selling me the link. If you guys want to hit up the Jake Dunlap on Instagram <laughs> and see if you can pressure him, I'd love you for it. Uh, but I think those are two places where I'm consistently, and I, I, we're putting up new videos on YouTube every way, just every day or every day or every week. Just type in Jake Dunlap sales and you can find a lot of content there. Really good tactical stuff too. Hey, you guys, you won't regret it. Go follow this guy. If you've been that person under a rock and don't know who he is. So go I follow Jake. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. See ya. All right. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Quota Crusher podcast. Did you like it? Be sure to give us a rating and share it with your friends. And don't forget to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Lastly, if your company needs a boost in revenue, like real revenue growth, send me a message and we'll discuss how our team builds revenue engines for our clients, covering all facets like marketing, sales, rev ops, and customer success. Until next time.